Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Julian King, the chair for Matty White in the lead-up to Christmas. What, just about two weeks to go. How many more sleeps? 13, 14 more sleeps there and thereabouts. Uh, Matty White, of course, on a well-earned break. Great to have you along at SEN 11.70am this morning. Our friends in Queensland, I think, have got to join us in the next hour of the program. And welcome along to those tuning in through the SEN app. My open line number, free call... 1300-01-1170 and that text line 0457-736-736. Tops are 28 in Sydney today. A little bit cooler than it was on Saturday. My goodness, didn't we fry? Mostly sunny, chance of a late thunderstorm and there is so much to ponder from the weekend. Joining us on the show today, Bryce McGain will be up in about half an hour's time to talk about the cricket played at Cardinia Park last night. And more accurately, the cricket not played at Cardinia Park last night. So Bryce was in the call with Johnny Donoghue and they left there twiddling their thumbs uh, you know, it hasn't been a great weekend, has it? I heard Adam Collins talking to Vossi and, and Missile on breakfast saying this was the perfect opportunity for the Big Bash to come through, have some really good contests. But unfortunately, what we saw with Adelaide Saturday night, that rained out game and then an incomplete game. It's not what they would have wanted in that space in the lead up to the test match. But it is what it is. The whole thing was a bit of a balls up. We'll look ahead to the first test in Perth, of course. Tommy Decent from the City Morning Herald will be along to no one's surprise. And this was broken yesterday. It looks like Eddie will coach Japan. Just waiting for an official announcement. And he was steadfast. He said, guaranteed, this will happen. He's never been more confident in his sources in any story. And it was laughed off. And he's been vindicated. Tommy, Alex Brost from the Global Game will be along as well to sum up all the A-League action. Crazy game yesterday at Combank Stadium between the Wanderers and Victory. And uh, well done to Angers Spurs. A huge win for Tottenham this morning. It's sort of our default team in a sense, isn't it? 4-1 over Newcastle. And it was important too because they'd lost a few. They had that draw with City, but people are saying, you know, Ange Ball, we often see these dips in his style of play, particularly in his first season at any given club. But he's resolute in the manner in which he wants to play his football. The players are on board, most importantly, and they were outstanding. And Newcastle are a very decent football team. And a team also vying with the Spurs for Champions League spots next year. So there's plenty on the line. So I'm very happy for Ange Postacoglu and very happy for the Spurs. And the good thing about that is that it deflects attention from my Manchester United. Look, I was spitballing this around the office this morning. And it's great to be back in the studios too. I've decided to start a GoFundMe page for the ground staff at various cricket venues in Australia. You know, get everyone maybe in time for Christmas, chip in for, I don't know, what do you reckon, Maestro, a BCF voucher, something along those lines. We can get some Hessian, some tarps, handful of tent pegs. They need a few more of those, don't they? Anything, 
anything to keep those covers on. Because we had the PM's 11 end in an early draw. It was headed that way anyway after the covers blew off at Monica the night before. It was a bit wild and woolly. which saw water get onto the pitch. Then last night in the Big Bash in Geelong, we got for a mammoth 6.5 overs. So unfortunately, the Renegades, their opening home game of the season against the Scorchers, was called off because of a dangerous pitch. And look, they inspected this before the first ball was bowled. There were concerns raised over the wicket after heavy overnight rain had seeped under the covers and onto the playing surface. And despite the concerns, look, the Renegades won the toss. Nick Maddinson said, you know what? On this sort of pitch, we've got to bowl first, don't we? And he said at the toss, look, the wicket's absolutely drenched. We just want to have a look, see what's going to happen. Perth lost a couple of early wickets, struggled due to this variable bounce. I saw a bit of this too. Aaron Hardy played and missed on a number of occasions. But then when Josh Inglis was taking strike, they thought, no, this is a bit too dangerous. Hitting the groin by Will Sutherland delivery came back a long way. And then an inside edge, similar ball, that was dropped by Glove and Quentin de Cock. The next delivery... He tried to drive it a fuller ball that just sort of ballooned over his bat. And you could see Quentin de Kock's reaction as keeper. He sort of, you know, pouted his lip and go, OK, this can't be right. And the pitch they knew was only going to get worse. So I understand they went on, they tested it to see if they couldn't get a game. And indeed they couldn't. And Inglis was pretty dismayed by, it, you know, those balls and how variable they were. And he went up and, and he was not happy, understandably, to Ben Trelaw and Simon Lightbody, the two umpires. And we'll hear from them in a moment. So the officials then came together. They discussed the state of the pitch, took the plays from the field. The Scorchers two for 30 after 6.5 overs. Aaron Finch, former Aussie captain, he, he said, look, the ball had taken big divots out of the wicket, sort of gripped the seam, bouncing ridiculously. Here's what the umpires had to say about the state of the pitch. So when we initially started, um, we, we saw the pitch. Uh, we had a good look at it. Um, and then... Until you start playing on it, sometimes these things don't present themselves. Um, after the first few overs, we were, we were quite hopeful that it was, it was going okay. Uh, but then it just started to go um, to go south, and then that last one uh, was enough to cross the thing was dangerous. Obviously, we've got processes, protocols that we need to follow um, in these uh, types of situations, and they don't happen all that often. Um, so, yeah, it just took some time. Uh, we spoke to who we needed to, um, and then, yeah, came up with the final decision to abandon play for today. Look, right decision. Right decision. It's unfortunate, but they had no choice. I mean, this is elite cricket. The umpires have a duty of care to the players. You know, this is a far cry from me playing in a wet deck in Centennial Park all those years ago. It was a beautiful wet patch. You know, have a scale's indiscretion, as they say. <laughs> On a good length outside off for the left-handers. Luckily, I wasn't a molly dooker, so I was more than happy to play. Here's a word I bet you haven't heard in a while. A molly dooker. You familiar with that term, Maestro? It's a term for a left-handed batter. Anyway, tonight we've got the Hurricanes taking on the Sixers. Now to the important cricket. The five-day stuff. As Dan Cherney writes, the next generation quick Lance Morris will need to cool his jets with Mitchell Stark brushing off injury concerns ahead of the summer and the ghosts of the first World Test Championship cycle shaping Australian selectors' determination to pick their best 11 possible at all times. Now, you think that would go without saying, not according to Mitch Johnson. Slightly more subdued, Colin, compared to the fire and brimstone of last week where he went hard, both barrels at Warner and George Bailey. But now he's basically said, we've got to unleash the wild thing, Lance Morris. And he's a bit concerned about this ageing Australian cricket team. He said, well, Morris is 25. He tested Australia's batting 
during a session in Perth on Sunday. But Andrew McDonald, the coach, basically shut down any speculation that he or Boland would play this week. And the thing about it is, because Mitch Stark's fitness had been the subject of a few media reports, but he's primed to play despite carrying some fitness issues from the Ashes into the victorious World Cup campaign. McDonald said, all return in good order. We saw, as we saw, and a fantastic to have a centre wicket on the Wacker ground to go out there and train. Perfect conditions to have a really good contest between bat and ball. And he went on to say, we're pretty clear on our selection philosophy and what underpins that. Aussies are not in the process of gifting baggy greens. And he's bang on the money, Andrew McDonald. He says, we're there to pick the best 11 that we can at any given time. I think the World Test Championships put a premium on every test match. It's hard to make. We saw that we missed out in the first cycle of it narrowly, deducted by overrates and all those things. Well, you lost to a second-string Indian team in Brisbane, but that's by the by. So it's always tight to get into the final, so every test match counts. We have got that philosophy of not gifting baggy greens. We'll keep that simple across that time. He's right. And in agreement is George Bailey and Tony Dottomate, who are the selectors. As I said, he's bang on. The test team is not a place for experimentation. It is not a place for experimentation. So if you've got a series wrapped up or a series lost and it's the fifth test and you've got to play with a lingering injury, then you might think of picking somebody like a Lance Morris, but not the opening test of the summer. And that's not a knock on the wild thing. It's not to say Lance Morris isn't test match standard. I'm sure he is. But you're not about to break up this holy trinity of Cummins, Stark and Hazelwood just to gift somebody else a baggy green to see what he's got. He can bide his time. He's 25. His time will come. His time will come. You know, I remember Brett Lee's debut in Melbourne 99 against India. The, the, that was his time. It'll be the wild thing's time soon enough. 0457736736. Thoughts on that? Are you happy to see him unleashed? Do you agree with Mitchell Johnson? Are you worried about an ageing Australian cricket team and generational change? Or is it a case of, no, you pick your best, regardless of how old they are? And I always say, look, if they're the same standard, you pick the younger bloke. Otherwise, without fail, you pick the best players. And with the deepest respect to Lance Morris, he can't currently hold a candle to Pat Cummins or Josh Hazel or Mitchell Stark. And I reckon even he would admit that. And I know he's a proud West Australian. Speaking of, and they got the first test of the summer, it looks like the West, you know, and they've been angling to secede for a while. They're a strange bunch over there in West Australia. And I do enjoy Perth. They've trundled out Justin Langer, crowd favourite, to implore them to get out to the test match this summer. Do you remember last year? Really crappy crowds. And they said, OK, it was a West Indies. How come you give us the Windies test? And they blame the lack of crowds on the unceremonial, I don't know if you call it dumping, but the fact that Justin Langer was no longer wanted as Australian coach. So they're outraged. They voted with their feet, fans in Perth. And there was always a sense that there was more love for the Scorchers than the Australian cricketer. And this has been going on for some time. They talked about a game uh, a while back where there were no Perth players in the Allen Border era. And they were getting booed and stuff chucked in the field. And Border said, well, this is an outrage, the Australian cricket team. Dan Bredig, who always writes good stuff in the Nine Papers, fickle Perth crowd reactions to Australian teams are not exactly new. In 1992, spectators were incensed by the selection of precisely, here we go, zero WA players in the team for a World Series Cup game. And Julie turned on those who did take the field. <laughs> yeah, duck left, duck right. Here comes a can of swan lager coming your way. Are they, are they crying conspiracy? 
Christina Matthews, and I've got a lot of time for Christina Matthews, she's departing Wacker Boss, basically said that the East needs to acknowledge that the people over in the West exist. And she looked at the various circumstances. You think about the aftermath of closed COVID borders, national selectors resting fast bowlers from an early season trip to Perth for a T20 match, programming of a West Indies test starting on a Wednesday in November. They're saying, well, are you taking us seriously over in the West when you factor all of those things in? She kind of doubled down, Christina Matthews. Said Western Australia is always seen, particularly by Sydney and Melbourne, as a bit backward. And so it's often forgotten because we're not among the hustle and bustle of the East Coast where a lot of the country lives. You have to take time to think about how we're always last on the agenda. And that gets a bit tiring after a while. You have to keep reminding people that, yeah, hey, we're here. We exist. And we've got something to add. Anyway, they're rolling out fan favourite Justin Langer. So come on, Australian cricket team. Get out and watch them. Because chances are they're going to win, right? They're going to win. Hopefully it goes five days. That'd be nice. In fact, I want them to go five days because I'm on standby to fill on the 29th if it doesn't go five days. Anyway, there's sort of this sense of irrelevance, as we said, underlined by the sparse crowds to see the West Indies last year and then, you know, maybe given fresh voice by what Mitchell Johnson had, had to say. Travis Head, he spoke up and he said, you know, we'd like to see a better reception. I hope they do. It's the Australian cricket team. There's no conspiracy as much as they may think it. And for our listeners over in Perth, it's nice and early this morning, if you feel there is conspiracy against the cricket-loving public in Perth, let me know why. On what do you base that on? 0457 736 736. Now, Eddie Jones, Eddie, 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 Eddie. Do you remember all of these denials? I don't know what you're talking about, mate. I said no, mate. I've had no discussion with them, mate. I haven't been speaking to anyone, mate. Well, I've never had a job offer from Japan, mate. There's no offer. So is Japan an option? I don't know, mate. You have to ask Sydney Morning Herald. They seem to know more than me. They do. <laughs> no more than you, Eddie, especially Tommy Deason. Tommy Deason's going to join us on the program today. In fact, that clip, uh, nice little pastiche of all of Eddie's denials, was on Tommy's Twitter feed yesterday. I played it on Sports Central. And when I got him this morning, so Maestro's in the chair because 2am Tommy's pulled a heartstring, so he's a, a late scratching. And I was really delighted to say we're going to chat to Tommy Decent today because, as reported in, and Eddie said, asked the Sydney Morning Herald, as reported in the Sydney Morning Herald, uh, Ian Payton with this story, 42 days after walking away from the Wallabies, Eddie Jones has been chosen to return as head coach of Japan, and this is according to multiple Japanese reports. And as revealed by the Herald, Jones took part in a second interview for the position with the Japanese Rugby Football Union panel. This was in a Tokyo hotel on Thursday. And he was one of the final two candidates alongside South African coach Franz Ledecky. It looks like he's got the jump, Eddie. And that interview followed his first interview with the JRFU. That was via Zoom, August 25, in the thick of the World Cup. Denied by Jones, as you heard there. Continually denied since. But then after that second interview, three Japanese media outlets reported Jones had beaten Ledecky to the head coach job, will return to the role that he held between 2012 and 2015. Going to be fascinating, though. You know, is this a case of buy beware? Have they locked him in and said, you know what, whatever happens with the Wallabies this World Cup, we're still going to pick him? Are his stocks down, Eddie? After that meek exit in the group stage by the Australians. Is he still the World Cup specialist that he was touted as prior to being picked to coach a Wallaby second time around by Hamish McLennan? They know what they're getting. 
So good luck to you. It's, he's non-refundable now, Eddie. He's non-refundable. Anyway, he's not our problem anymore. But I just find it really fascinating. We said death taxes and Eddie go to Japan. They were going to be the three certainties in life. So the appointment not yet official. Reports saying that sign-off from the JRFU board still required at a meeting on Wednesday. But a press conference is reportedly scheduled as well for the same day. So there you go. So Wednesday, Thursday this week, I'm on air this weekend, next week in the chair for Matty White, we'll have confirmation. Eddie Jones to coach Japan. What do you make of that? 0457 736 736. The text line number, open line number, 1300 011170. Now, this news came out on Friday. I did address it on Sports Central on Saturday in particular. And it's interesting, I'm going to bring it up again because a couple of footballers, uh, Cameron King recently retired, who of course played for the Dragons, Eels and Cowboys and Jackson Hastings on social media have commented on this and not in agreement with it. And this is in relation to the Rugby Football League in the UK imposing a raft of rule changes aimed at reducing concussion risk by lowering the height, official height of tackling to the armpit, from the shoulder down to the armpit. So Dan Walsh has covered this pretty well in the nine papers. Rugby league authorities have been urged to impose restrictions on contact training sessions at all levels, focusing on proved tackling technique as England prepares to lower the legal tackle height to below the armpit. So the most significant of these changes are capping the number of games for professional players and banning tackles above the armpit. The change in legal tackle height will be introduced at junior and senior amateur level next season, and that includes England's reserve grade competition. So the RFL's Brain and Health and Clinical Advisory Group has recommended that the new tackle height be integrated for professionals and the Super League in 2025. That is not far away. Now, that is a move that can have significant impact and ramifications on the NRL as well as international fixtures. Because England Rugby League's move to lower legal tackle heights comes, as we know, Rugby Australia conducted a similar two-year trial in all competitions below Super Rugby mirroring lower tackle laws in France and New Zealand and Ireland and South Africa. Now, the NRL's National Safety Play Code already outlaws tackles above the armpit at under-15s level and younger. Now, those are saying, oh, this is ridiculous, they're going to be playing touch football before you know it. That's not true. But it's always tough, isn't it, to straddle that line between protection of the players and maintaining what makes the game so attractive in the first place, that being the fact that it is a physical and contact sport. But they're worried about legal action and a bunch of players sitting in nursing homes 20, 30, 40 years after retirement struggling to remember their wives' names. Do you think the game's going to fundamentally change that much? We're not going to rugby levels yet, below the sternum. We're talking about below the armpit. Is it significantly going to change the game? Maybe it alters tech. Maybe it makes for a better spectacle. I spoke to Scotty Sattler about this on Saturday. Do we then, you know, by reducing the amount of time people go high, do we re-reward legs tackles? And with the change in tackling technique, do we change the way in which tackles are officiated by referees? Do you remember the old dominant? Plenty to discuss. But there's been a mountain of research in this area. So this hasn't been done on a whim. Has not been done on a whim. You may have a thought on that today. 0457 736 736. The text line number, the open line number, 1300 01 1170. Up and running for the start of a brand new sporting week, Monday morning. Jules in the chair for Matty White on SEN 1170 and on the app.